people feel guilty charging 6% or 7% or 10% or whatever the number is in your community, I've charged 20% before. And guess what? That guy gave me the biggest smile at the closing table that you'd ever seen. So was it about the percentage? Nope. It was about the value. So the big question is this. How do most agents who don't have access to the secrets that most successful agents hoard to themselves grow and prosper in today's competitive real estate environment? That's the question. And this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Pat Hyben, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Real Estate Rockstar Nation, welcome back to another fantastic episode. I'm your host today, Adam Roach, and boy, do we have someone here that deserves the title Rockstar. Gang, let me introduce you to Derek Ty. Derek Ty is out of Cincinnati, Ohio. He's written two books, one to be launched here in the next couple of days, I do believe. Over 1,400 transactions this guy has. And I'm super excited to have him on the podcast today because he's going to bring you a wealth of rock star information. So, Derek, welcome to the show. Why don't you come on in and tell us what happened? You were born and then what happened? Thanks, Adam. So, yeah, so my uh, my, my story is uh, kind of fun. I, I guess my, my parents were actually, uh, you know, just normal middle class, you know, worked normal jobs. They, you know, we were kind of the... Uh, you know, steady Eddie kind of people. You know, my mom had a job in an engineering firm as a secretary. My dad was a school teacher. Uh, he ended up getting disabled, wasn't able to work full time and get benefits. So my mom became the breadwinner in our family. So kind of early on, I saw her driving 45 minutes each way to, to work every day. She wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. So that really kind of, uh, you know, showed me how disciplined she was to make sacrifices for the family. Uh, so, you know, fast forward a few years, uh, you know, my dad's giving me career advice. He's like, don't get into sales and don't become an entrepreneur because he had had some major failings in those areas. And so what do I end up doing here years later? Sales and entrepreneurship, you know, what can I say? Yeah. So, so what I'm hearing you say is your mom showed you how to be a hard worker and your dad told you what not to do, but you didn't follow that, right? Exactly. And my dad was the most generous guy in the world. He died uh, about uh, 20 years ago, but, you know, he left me with some he had a huge heart for people. I mean, uh, I remember once he actually, it's kind of a crazy side story for a beginning intro, but he actually picked up this homeless guy once and I was sitting in the backseat of the car with one of my friends and we were on the way to go get dinner or something. And he literally throws this guy in the backseat with us and he took him to dinner with us. And uh, the guy smelled so bad. And I remember that to this day, like what the guy smelled like. And so, you know, we, you know, we didn't have a lot of money ourselves. And I'm thinking my dad, like, oh, do we have enough money to like buy this guy's dinner too? Right. So years and years later, uh, uh, one of my friends who was actually in that car that day, he's like, do you remember that day when your dad picked up that homeless guy? And I was like, yeah, he goes, he goes, that was one of the coolest things I'd ever seen in my entire life. That's really, really cool. And so it stuck with him all these years, you know, that's incredible. So it sounds like you got, um, but a little bit of both. So you got your hard work and drive from your mom. You got your big old heart from your dad, huh? Exactly. That's, and, and so my, my wife, I got married really young. I was 20. My wife was 18. We bought our first house a month before we got married. So this was back in 1996. Uh, we've been married for you know over 23 years now, have five kids. And a big part of my story is uh, you know, time blocking out of you know, 
being an entrepreneur, real estate agent, book writing and all those things, but still having time for my wife and kids. I'm home for dinner every night at six o'clock, rarely work on the weekends. And uh, I've, I've made that a big priority in my life. Wow. That's incredible. So hold on. Let me make sure I heard you right. Five kids yes. married for 23 years, have done over 14 trans- 1,400 transactions, have written two books, have your own podcast. Your wife has a podcast. Yes. I mean, could you guys fit anything else into your, into your world? Yeah. So we have 80 animals too. <laughs> 80 animals. Are you serious? Yeah, I'm serious. Yeah. So we have a little mini hobby farm and uh, one of my daughters uh, we adopted from China and she has special needs. And one of the things we realized is that there wasn't any therapy for kids like her. She has a really rare syndrome and she uh, needs a lot of attention. So my wife, you know, and I decided to sell our suburban home in Montgomery suburb, which is kind of a nice upscale suburb here in Cincinnati. And we downsized into a farmhouse with a lot of acreage and land. And we had this old barn on the property. So we filled it up with 80 animals. I think we're at like 86 animals right now. So wow. now here's something silly and fun. Do they all have names? Uh, yeah. Well, some, so a lot of them are poultry. So we have like 30 chickens and the kids do name them and then they die and then they get sad and then they name the next one and then they die. But, you know, uh, we have chickens, turkeys, ducks, geese, uh, alpacas, horses, dogs, cats, bunnies. Oh my goodness. I'm going to figure it, forget some animals. Uh, but yeah, they all collectively add up to into this 80 something range right That's now. That's incredible. Well, let, let's dive into some, um, let's dive into some business real quick. And before we actually get into the real estate rockstar section, so before the show, you told me you've written two books, one of them uh, called The Lord's Prayer for Entrepreneurs. Tell us about that book. Yeah, so uh, basically my faith journey, uh, and I've been a Christian my whole life, but I could never reconcile like, you know, hey, I really want to be an entrepreneur. I want to go out and make an impact on the world through business. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to uh, be an excellent uh, Christian, but I also wanted to be an excellent business owner. And I wanted to, to succeed at a high level and be wealthy. And so, but all the kind of traditional Christian messages I've heard in churches are kind of like sin, it's sin to be wealthy. It's kind of, you know, it's like the the bad guys are the rich guys. And you watch every single movie, the bad guy is either, you know, he wants to take over the world or he's a business owner, like Mm -hmm. every single bad guy, right? And so you kind of get those indoctrinations into your system. So I spent a couple years researching and reading the Bible and trying to figure out, is it really bad to be wealthy? Like, like, what about Solomon? What about Abraham? What about these guys? So that, that book in a summary is, is a, is a uh, kind of a walk through the Lord's Prayer where Jesus, you know, who's, you know, the wisest man that's ever walked the earth, is actually kind of goes through a specific prayer that you're supposed to pray to connect with God. And then there's, and what God revealed to me in a kind of, I, I feel like it was a divine revelation is step by step in that prayer. It actually is kind of like a business outline. Mm. So if you're going to be a business owner, and you actually follow the things, and, and whether you're a Christian or whether you're not, whether you're a person of faith or whether you're not, I don't want you to be turned off by this conversation. I feel like there's something in wisdom. Like mm-hmm. if you truly are a wisdom seeker, some people explore all world religions and all kinds of different things. The point is find wise people, learn something from those people, and then apply that to your life. And I feel like that's something in this world today that we uh, need to see more of. Yeah, that, that's what, what an incredible story there. Find wise people and apply it into your life. And I, and I love what you said is, uh, is it really bad to be wealthy? And, and so, so, so as you re- wrote this book, and now how, how long has this book been out? It's been out since September of 2019. Gotcha. It, how, how do you answer that question now? 
That's a great, that's a great question. So here's, here's what I've reconciled. Okay. Reconciliation is a, a good thing, right? When you have a problem, you want to wrestle with it. You want to read about it. You want to study it with other people. You want to find wise mentors. So a conclusion of that today. Now I'm always on a journey just like you are, right? You're always on a, a knowledge journey, wisdom journey. Today, my revelation is this and through the book it is. Okay. So if I asked you, Adam, I said, how much value do you want to add to this world? Do you have an amount? Would, what would you say? Well, so through our, our, our company, I Love Recruiting, we want to impact, we want to recruit 100 million people. Okay, so, so, so you have a big vision, right? A huge vision, right? So what if I said to the average person on the street, do you want to limit the amount of value you're going to create in the world? What would they say? They would say no. No, you want to have unlimited value, right? No right. one wants to cap how much value they're going to put into the world. So let me challenge you with this. There is a biblical principle that says money follows value. Mm. So here's the point of that. If we can create massive value to people around us, whether that's a client, whether that is a vendor, whether that is an employee, whether that is a family member, what's going to happen is we create massive value. Guess what follows that? Money. Yes, money, influence, success. So if for us to say the result of what I just said, which is adding massive value, is bad, then we'd have to say, then creating value is bad. Right. But you can't have one without the other. Mm. So, and here's another thing. So I'll give you an example. So, so we own five short-term luxury vacation rental properties, and that's our investments that we have right now. And I think you and your wife are also doing the same thing, right? Uh, yes. So, so let me ask you this. So if someone comes to one of my properties, I am creating a five-star experience for this person. And literally, we, my wife is a hospitality queen. She, her gift from God is she is a great hospitality person. Okay. So she's setting eye masks up. She's giving them candies on their pillow, non-chocolate, by the way, so they don't melt. <laughs> and she's setting them up breakfast, the best coffee filters, the best coffee, granite counters, high-end mugs and decorations from the town that we live in she is when people walk in the door there the minimum price for one of our properties is 450 dollars a night for one night plus a 250 dollars cleaning fee so we have to prove massive value to these people and we're still getting people that say if i could give you 10 stars out of five i would wow so, so let me ask you this if i said to you hey I'm charging six, $700 for a one-night stay at a property. Is that a good value? And you would say, well, I don't know. It depends, right? right? But if I said, here's what I provide, it's a one-of-a-kind experience in a log cabin in a town where there's not a lot of hotels, and you get a view of a long view of the valley, and you're getting all these extra things, now is that a good value? Mm -hmm. Absolutely, sure. So, so here's, here's the point in all this. If we are providing value to other people in commerce and in a free exchange, I'm not forcing anyone to rent my property. I'm not, I'm not going and grabbing people on the streets, holding them at gunpoint and saying, you have to spend $700 here. They're on their own free will doing that. They're leaving with a happy smile face, a memory that will never go away. And, and in, their, in their mindset, I want to come back here. I have provided them value. So when people say, I'm going to give back, I want to give back, the connotation is, is I took. Mm. See what the problem with that is? Right. So when I have to stop myself, because I've been saying that my whole life until I learned this principle, I always say, well, I'm going to give back someday. I'm going to give back to this charity. I'm going to give back to my community. The connotation is, is I took something. Yeah. And one of, the, one of the philosophers that I love, he's a modern day philosopher. His name is Daniel Lapin. 
He's a Jewish rabbi, not a Christian guy. I'm not a Jewish person, but I've learned so much from this guy. He wrote two books. And I would highly, these are in the back of my uh, new book. I have both of these books, I think, highlighted in there as must-reads. But the first book is Thou Shall Prosper. And the second book is called Business Secrets from the Bible. And what he does is, is he basically outlines this philosophy in such eloquent detail, uh, both the, the sinister part of, of, of unchecked capitalism, where it's all about the money and that's it and profits. And you can see some of that in big pharma and big food and some of these sure. other things. And then you have the responsible capitalism where people, they're putting people first, but yet the profits still come. And so he does the best job I've seen of saying, if we provide value to people, the money comes, and then you don't have to worry about giving back because honestly, the employees that are in my organization, I don't have to like give back to them. They're receiving from me. They're receiving wisdom. They're receiving guidance. They're receiving a job. I'm helping them pay their bills. Right. They're there with their own free will also. Hmm. So we have to get over the mindset. And real estate business is this way too. If I go for a listing appointment, people feel guilty charging 6% or 7% or 10% or whatever the number is in your community. I've charged 20% before. Hmm. And guess what? That guy gave me the biggest smile at the closing table that you'd ever seen. So was it about the percentage? Nope. It was about the value. Right. I charged him 20%. Commission, and he was the happiest guy I've ever seen at a closing table. So, so I know I'm supposed to be the host here, but I think I'm taking more notes just <laughs> listening to you. Than I am driving this podcast. This is incredible, Derek. Way to go! And all of that came from the question of tell us about your book, Lord's Prayer for Entrepreneurs. That was that was incredible. So, real quick, before we go to your next book, sure. where can they go get that book? So that one's uh, so if you go to DerekTie.com. All my books, my uh, short-term rental properties, uh, the link to my uh, Thai group team here in Cincinnati, uh, my wife's podcast, I put it all in one kind of, I learned this from another famous entrepreneur, but you go to his website page and it's just a list of businesses with pictures and descriptions. And I was like, that's genius. And that became one of my vision board things is to have a website someday with all my companies on it. And then I put it together and it's for real now. So it's like a visualization that's actually come true. That's really cool. So, so that's Derek and then last name Ty, T-Y-E.com, right? Correct. Yep. Okay, great. Real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Amuchastegui. And as you know, when you've been hearing these episodes, so many of our guests give us lots of free gifts and share the tools they've been using to become successful. We've got free real estate tools, scripts, eBooks, marketing materials, and more. We keep track of everything in our vault and it's updated with new items each and every week. If you want access to that stuff, it's totally free for being a listener. All you have to do is go to agentsuccesstoolbox.com, agentsuccesstoolbox.com and get your free gifts now. Okay, so let's transition now. So tell us about this new book that's coming out. I think you said uh, in a couple of days or maybe. Yes. Yeah. So when this podcast goes out, it'll probably be live. So uh, I'm so excited about this book. I had Linda McKissick, uh, Myra Oliver, uh, uh, Sue uh, Parrish, uh, gosh, Jeff Lewis, Ricky Kane. I've, I've interviewed a bunch of people. I've watched their content over the years. I've gone to all the Keller Williams events, the realtor uh, events, National Association of Realtors, local board stuff, read every real estate book that I could get my hands on. And I thought, what if I could consolidate 16 years of my knowledge and wisdom in the real estate business coupled with all these people's 
infinite knowledge, Gary Keller, everybody else. What if I could put it into seven levers? Like seven things as a real estate agent, if you do these things, they're going to create leverage in your life. And most real estate agents understand leverage, sure. but they don't actually implement it. Right. Yeah, I would agree. So that's what the whole, the, whole, the whole thesis of this book is. If you can focus on these seven things, it is literally a blueprint for success in breaking through your next level of real estate sales. Oh, that'll be incredible. So it's called the seven levers of success in selling real estate, right? That is perfect, yes. Excellent. And, and where can they go find that when it's launched? Same website, yeah, DerekTai.com. I've got links to everything there. That's incredible, man. Well, hey, what an incredible intro there. I think, I don't know how long we've been going, <laughs> but I, I'm ready to keep going into this. And I want to talk now about your, gang, I, listeners, here's what we just heard. So this is real estate rock stars. And what we just heard was Derek Ty being a whole life millionaire rock star is what I just heard there from his entrepreneurialness to write books and also from a Christian base. And then also defining, is it really bad to be wealthy? I mean, that's, what an incredible intro. Way to go, man. Way Thank to you. go. So let's dive into some of your real estate stuff. And we're going to get into the, as we call it here on, the, on Real Estate Rockstars, the nitty gritty. So, so let's get down to it. How many houses have you sold in the last 12 months? What's the volume, gross commission, profit margin? Tell us all about that. So I had my worst year in six years last year. I only sold 101 houses. Only 101 houses. Yes. Got. Now, now, let me back up real quick. Do you have a team? Is it just you? Tell us about that. So it's a team. So I've had as many as, I guess, seven agents at one time. It was the peak of our, our real estate team. As of last week, I was down to one real estate agent on the team, plus me, plus our operations manager. So we kind wow. of went all the way back to zero almost. Okay. We started with our foundations, and then uh, we've made two real estate agent hires this week. Gotcha. For, so, for team agents. Would it be fair to say you blew your team up? Uh, yeah, basically, I, I, with as much respect as possible to the people that were there that may be listening to this, yep. we kind of had a little come to Jesus moments where we just had to say, you know what, this is what I'm expecting every day from a discipline, from being in our office every day, 9 to 11, making you know, lead generation calls. This is how many deals we need to see every month. And after a year of those performance standards not being held, I, I feel like I was very, uh, so Gary Keller says something. He says, standards without uh, consequences is merely suggestions. Correct. So that was me. So to be, to be honest with you, I was weak. Mm -hmm. And so as I start focusing on some of these scaling things I want to do, writing books, being on podcasts, starting my own podcast. Uh, over the last year, I've really learned that I would really like to scale up my, my uh, kind of influencer part of my life. I've done this 16 years and I don't feel like I need to be in the trenches at kitchen tables anymore. Mm -hmm. So I looked around me and I said, okay, how can I build a scalable enterprise going forward to get from a level five real estate agent to a level six where I no longer am doing the day-to-day -day kitchen table, door knocking, et cetera. And there's nothing wrong with that. But right. after 16 years, I feel like God's kind of called me to a new season, mm -hmm. but I'm the one that keeps, I'm the, I'm my biggest uh, enemy right now. Right. So, so, so let's take a pause just for a second with the nitty gritty, because I coach a ton of agents. I coach a bunch of leadership people and the, let, let me, let me, let me share this to our audience. There will come a point in time when you're building a team where you need to we'll call it blow it up, but you, you need to restructure. You need, you need to really go in and inspect what you expect. And what we just heard from Derek was he did that and he shared that he maybe didn't uh, blow it up soon, soon enough. 
right? Yes, you're right. Yeah. You're right. So, so if you could go back, what, what would be one thing you would change as it relates to blowing it up or restructuring or, again, setting the expectations that are measurable and then holding people accountable to that? What, what would you do differently? So I'd say just daily standards and weekly standards and some kind of a, uh, an automated process to make that happen where people, you know, you don't, I, I think the more times we have to touch something, the less likely we are to keep it uh, consistently executed. So for example, uh, if we can set up things that are, and this is in my book too, we talk about systems and tools. When you have a system in place, the system should do most of the heavy lifting for you. And that's what a lever does, right? The, the lever, if you think about a log and, a, and a, you know, a piece of wood and you're lifting something up, the, the lever does the work, okay? So in people management, we have to set up systems where people can self-select themselves out of a system too. Right. So right. if they see that they're no longer meeting standards, it's not even like these coaching conversations, as you know, become a lot easier when we agree on everything up front. We know what the standards are. We know what the system is. And then when we know as a uh, coachee, a person being coached that we're not hitting them, the questions are really simple. It's like, right. hey, how are you doing right now? Uh, well, I don't know. Well, let's talk about it. how many sales did you hit this month? Not enough. Okay. Well, how many appointments did you go on? Not enough. How many calls did you make not enough right it's always there's always a root problem so right. i think that to, to answer your question hopefully in a shortest way possible you have to set up a uh, kind of a system or kind of checklist or some kind of a way to keep people accountable so that they can do some of the self-regulating on their own gotcha yeah and, and i had a coach one time tell me that when you set expectations that are measurable and then you measure them uh more often than not that expectation removes all the emotion from the conversation. That's a perfect summary because, you know, it's a very unemotional. I mean, I'm an emotional kind of guy. I cry at Disney movies and everything else. <laughs> so, so, and I got five kids. My little girls, you know, get me like if I start talking about them. But the thing is, is that it's an unemotional conversation. If you're just saying, hey, did you meet the standards or not? Why didn't you? Okay, great. What are you going to do about it? Are you willing to make this commitment? As you know, as a coach, if you can stay in that coaching lane, then that's great. And honestly, I've realized I'm not a good coach. I'm more of a group coach and more of a consultant. If you come to okay. me, I can say, here's all the five things that are wrong with what you just said. Right. But that's not coaching. Yeah. Like coaching is drawing it out of the other person. And to me, that's an, I'm just not built that way. I'm, I'm, a, I'm more of a teacher than I am a coach. Gotcha. Okay, good. So, so, so yep, totally. So weekly standards and systems to do the heavy lifting is what you said. Yes. And again, setting the expectations so that when you do this on a weekly basis, you can remove all emotion from it. And I know a lot of our listeners uh, have been in your boat or are currently in or have people that maybe they should dehire on their teams right now and they're just emotionally afraid to do it. So thanks for sharing that. So let's go back. 101 homes, 2019, you said it was one of your lower years. Uh, I think you said, did you say 29 million? Yeah, about twenty nine million. Yeah, gotcha. So, so let's go to the one hundred and one. What what was the breakdown of buyers and sellers? So we were about 60 percent buyers, forty percent listings. Gotcha. Okay, so let's go into some of your sources of, of your business. So, what what's your number one source for listing leads besides your sphere of influence? So that keeps changing. You know, so sixteen years of doing this, it started off as you know raw internet leads that I got off Google, and you know back then it was uh, you know Go Jeeves and everything else, Ask Jeeves. So sure. then it turned into Zillow, and then it turned into you know some Realtor.com, and then I've tracked every single transaction. I have fourteen hundred sales in a spreadsheet. I know where every single deal came from source of business, how much commission we earned, 
uh, I know everything about the deal because I'm kind of crazy uh, record keeper like that. But what I've noticed is the return on investment for Zillow went from about six to one to five to one to four to one to three to one to two to one to one to one with a lender contribution equaling. Wow. So I'm like, we're losing money on this at this point because uh, I take the lender's money seriously like it's my sure. own money. So I got rid of Zillow completely. Same thing happened with Realtor.com, went down to zero with them this year. Same thing happened with Homes.com, I went down to zero with them this year. Wow. With Yelp, I was spending a three to 4000 a year, went down to zero with them this year. So what I found is, is uh, I'm basically a big fan of Russell Bronson, ClickFunnels, all these guys. And I realized that the direct response marketing is really the where it's at right now and content creation. So what I did was at the end of last year, I partnered up with a guy in California and we created our own service uh, called marketreadyreport.com. Yeah. And what, what we did was, is we said, well, what's the number one thing that sellers want to know? They want to know the value of their home. That's why they go to Zillow. So I'm like, what if we could create an alternative to Zillow where people find our website or we use direct marketing to get them there? And we, are, we actually created a unique algorithm that only we own that a seller does a 20 question survey and right. it tells them the market readiness of their home and it relates to the exact percentage of if their house will sell above average price per square foot in the neighborhood below or at the norm. So we created this system to get basically to get listing appointments. Okay. And so in 60 days, we ended up getting 130 listing uh, leads off of it. So wait. that's been my latest, greatest uh, kind of success story there. Wait, 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 wait. So 60 days, 130 listing appointments? 130 listing leads. Leads, lead, leads, leads. Yes, yes. And out of that, we've gotten five in-person appointments. And we've got probably three to four of those that will become listings in the next 30 days. Wow, so about a little less than a 5% conversion rate. Which is pretty typical, right? Yeah, right. That's, that's yeah. good. And it's yours. And it probably doesn't cost you as much as those supplemental sources of leads does. Well, here's the thing is I'm looking at it too. Like there's still 95% of those people that may sell eventually. Because right. I believe in the theory that there are no bad leads. There's just bad timing. Sure. So yeah. I nurture my database like crazy. I mean, we, we do a 40 touch program. We do four client events a year. You know, we, uh, you know, that's a big part of my book too, is I talk about database and, and that kind of thing. But once you get them in your system, I can, I can do all kinds of stuff. The first question we ask them is their address before okay. they do anything else. So if they give up 50% to the survey, I've captured a real seller that's out there that's curious about something about their home value. Love that way to go. Love, love the big brain there. So let's transition to the buyer side. Uh, what's sure. your number one source for buyer leads? Right now it is sync. Okay. Is what we've been, and I've gotten an abundance of leads off sync. And in the last year, we've probably gotten 40 a week and we've probably converted into sales. So we started sync about a year ago. I think we've had like five sync sales. Yeah. So it's not been, I think it's more of a long, you know, long conversion cycle on those. Okay. Gotcha. So let's go now into the team. I know you, you've, uh, you're restructuring the team, you're rebuilding the team. Talk to us about some team systems that you're excited about for, or you're excited about. So I, I've been using Follow Up Boss a really long time. I don't know if you guys are familiar with them or not, but uh, you know, it's it's not the fanciest tool in the world, but I like the way it works, and it probably has a lot more features like most of these CRMs do that you would never use. But right. I, I like it because I've I've gone from Keller Williams to Remax Keller Williams again, and I've worked for a traditional firm before that, and as I transferred back and forth between companies, I didn't have to worry about the CRM that was locked into the, uh, to the, to the mothership. 
And so, and it was multiple lead sources. So we had deals coming in from all those different sources I just mentioned. So I was able to put them into one place. I was able to assign them to different buyer's agents on my team. When they left the team, I was able to easily transfer them back. And then we could even have an ISA work off of those as well. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, Follow-up boss is, is extremely robust. That's a great system. Okay. Let's, let's transition now to phone apps. What, what, what phone app are you most excited about for, for this year? Phone app. So actually the consumer app for Keller Williams, I'm actually pretty excited about that. And I haven't played around with it a lot yet. I know it recently just came out and I'm, I would say I'm not the bleeding edge adopter of technology. I like okay. to see other people fall on the sword and get bloody. And then I'd like to be the next guy in line after that. So yeah. I'd say that's probably my biggest hope this year that that turns out to be pretty awesome. Yeah, it's got uh, it's got definitely got a lot of buzz and it's got a lot of uh, momentum. I can definitely say that. Uh, I haven't played much with it either. Okay, so let, let's go into some. Let's get a, let's get a little vulnerable here. So so what failure have you had that you look at today as a successful learning experience? I'd say the biggest one. I mean, the most embarrassing, I guess, would be is uh, you know almost complete financial meltdown uh, at the last financial crisis. So I've been around through you know two of these cycles, I guess, now at this point. In 2007, I was spending so much cash because I was making it, and Uh it was pretty amazing. And the market was great. Everything was up. And so I built this big house. I built a barn. I built, this is a different property, uh, built a barn, built horse fencing, dug a pond, finished the basement, bought a nice car. And I was doing it all with cash. Mm. Like, I mean, I, 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 I was seeing a lot of cash and I thought this is going to be awesome. This is the way the market's always going to be from now on. <laughs> and then one day it literally just dried up. Uh-huh. I mean, literally just like crickets and it freaked me the crap out. Okay. Sure. So I'll fast forward about three years of pain and suffering and me borrowing off of credit cards and family and trying to keep everything afloat. I sold my house for $250,000 less than what I had into it. Yeah. And it hurt like heck. And so I learned one big lesson I learned was empathy because I used to do short sales and foreclosures and stuff for people. And I'd be like, how could you ever get yourself in a situation like this? How could you ever not be able to pay your mortgage? How could you not be able to do this or that? And after that, that was one of the most humbling experiences because I, I went from having nothing to having a lot to having nothing again and being in the hole. And so I learned the lesson of just, man, like I had so much more empathy for clients after that. Like it, it just changed the way I really, I had, I was a lot less judgmental, I guess sure. too. Yeah. And then what it also taught me is to not have all my eggs in one basket. So my wife and I were hundred percent in on the real estate business as salespeople. We had a team and everything else, but I mean, literally that was 100% of our income. Right. right. So when I, when I, uh, you know, realize that there's got to be some residual income out there. There's got to be some other buckets. That's when we made plans over the next 10 years after that to buy rental properties. We became an investor in a Keller Williams Market Center. Uh, my wife started her own business and we kind of like, and that's in the nutritional space. She's got a, a really great podcast and then she sells products online, cookbook, things like that. So I, we, we really learned to diversify our income at that point as well. Yeah, that's what I just wrote down in my notes is, is diversify. So, so let's, let's, let's have a fun here, fun question. So let's go back. You've been in the business now 16 years. Okay. So what advice would you go back and give yourself as a rookie agent knowing what you know today? 
Well, back, you know, I'd buy stock in uh, Amazon and I would buy, I'm just kidding. <laughs> was Amazon even around yet? I don't know. That's a good question. 2004, yeah. I guess they probably weren't. Microsoft then maybe I'd go back uh, and buy some Apple, Microsoft. Sure. Yeah, Apple stock, that'd be good too. So I'd say today, if I, I mean, if, I think the probably the more uh, appropriate question for me would be if I was to tell someone today what to do, because that, I mean, the market's changed a lot. Because me going back in time, it would not really help anybody out today because it was so long ago. <laughs> but I would say, uh, you know, in the Seven Levers book, I talk about this too. I actually give a roadmap, a blueprint for a new agent. Say, if you were to start over today, here's some, but here's some highlights of that. So one of the things I would do is I'd get really good on content creation. Okay. So there is a TV remote right in front of you right now, if you're listening to this podcast and it's called Facebook and people watch TV on Facebook, whether you call it TV or not, it's the new TV. People are scrolling through. You want to stop the scroll. You're going to watch something interesting. If you can take advantage of even live videos on Facebook, it notifies all your audience you're on there. It, even after you've done recording it, it's still there for everyone to see. And what it does is, is it becomes instant vulnerability, instant. You don't have to be perfect on camera. You don't have to have the best background. And you got to give people value. Like we talked about this earlier. So you can't be like, hey, if you know anyone looking to buy or sell a home, check me out. It can be, it's got to be something interesting. Like, man, I just walked into this 19, you know, 82 fully, you know, time warp house. Can you believe this house has never been updated? And it's got the red shag carpet and it's got, and obviously you got to get permission from a seller to do this kind of, of stuff. Course. You get the idea is like, yep. That becomes interesting. It's fascinating. Like, oh my gosh, these people still have the original furniture, the plastic chairs that I grew up with. And you know, you're looking for a box of like a Captain Crunch in the cupboard here or something. But, <laughs> but like, you got to be interesting to people, right? So if they right. find value in that, then they're going to stay tuned into you. The next time you might be like, hey, this time we're about to list this, uh, you know, historic home here. Or we're about to, this new condo development downtown. Everybody's been asking about. I'm just going to give you an inside preview of what that looks like. Or, hey, I'm going to give you a market update. Did you know you could get a 30-year fixed mortgage rate for under 3% right now? People are like, what? I saw today a three-year fixed or a three-year arm, 1.68%, no closing costs. Yeah, let's let's put a a date and time stamp on that. Was it March 6, 2020 at 111? It's insane, man. Yeah. It's insane. So anyway, so I guess that would be my advice to new agents is, is get good at um, just being relevant content creation, come from value and contribution and don't hire a buyer's agent until you've, I mean, I'd say the first 30 to 40 deals you're consistently doing a year. Then you hire your first assistant to help you with transaction management. You know what the five key activities are, right? So lead generation, lead follow-up, going on appointments, negotiating contracts and doing scripts and role plays. Right. You got to master your time on those things and then give your assistant everything else. Once you've done that, then you might be talking about a buyer's agent later. So I think people start getting all that out of order. That's, that was awesome. So, you know, the next question was going to be what one piece of advice would you like to give the listeners? And I think you just gave them like five pieces of advice there. That was really, really good. Well, they got to spend 80% of their time in their work day. Now I, I believe in time blocking. This is also in the book is the lever of time. So, I start with prayers, affirmations in the morning. I speak my affirmations out loud five days a week. Every day I go into the office. Sometimes I miss here and there. But I speak out loud my prayers. I speak out loud my affirmations. I speak out loud my goals. I have written goals in every area of my life, financially, spiritually, business-wise, real estate-wise, with my family, with my wife, how often I'm going to take her out to dinner, how often I'm going to, you know, I have all these things written out. I speak out loud my goals. 
I jump into a, a two-hour session of lead generation, lead follow-up, and then I don't. I skip script practice. Maybe you know, agents that aren't masters of scripts would still be doing that a half an hour a day. Yep. But I've got about all of them memorized at this point, and then I jump into lead follow-up, and then lunch, and then the second half of the day is all for me. It's content creation, networking. Uh, going on appointments, negotiating contracts. I try to make that second half of the day. I'm done by six o'clock every day. I try to keep my phone not on me. And then evenings and weekends I reserve for my family. Good for, and, and the 80 animals. And, the, and actually, I, I don't really like the animals. My wife does. So I actually don't, don't have to do farm work. This was one of our deals we made, you know, the married couple deals. Uh -huh, sure, sure. She, if you want these animals, you got to take right. care of them. So I get to, to chill out at the house and read books and stuff while she's over there score, scooping horse poop and stuff. So I love it. But I she love loves it. it. So that's cool. Well, Derek, hey, this has been an incredible podcast. It's one that, you know, we, we covered a lot of information here. Our listeners got a ton of value here. So go ahead. I want to open this up to you from a promotion standpoint. Tell our listeners where to go, where to go get your books, how to, how to learn more about you. This is, this is the commercial time. Go for it. So, so I love Tim Ferriss, the four-hour work week, four-hour body. Four. So kind of, I look at myself as like a reporter like him. I've got some of my own wisdom and knowledge and tools, but I also love people that can curate knowledge and tools and wisdom. So I want people to think about this book as not Derek's you know, viewpoint on the world. I want them to think about it as I've gone out there and talked to the Linda McKissicks of the world and the Meyer Oliver and you know, read all the Gary Keller books. I've done all the dissecting for you for 15 bucks on Amazon when you buy this book. I mean, this should be one of those hacks, right? Like, wow, I got all this condensed down into seven levers. And, and so that's the sales pitch of the book, which I appreciate the opportunity to give that. But, you know, honestly, I just want to give what I can of the things I've learned in my life to the people that really want to know it. There's some people that will listen to this and they're like, oh, that sounds great. And they'll never do anything about it. Sure. You and I are tailoring our conversations to the doers of the world, the people that are actually going to take action. So you got to, number one, buy the book. Number two, read it, which most people don't even read the books they buy. Three, put the things that you read into action. And then I would love to hear about it. The fourth thing is someone, you know, send me, hey, you know, you had this one tip in the book. That's all I got out of it. Great. And here's what I did about it. I would love to hear feedback like that. So that would be, uh, you know, the most consolidated pitch I can give you there. Got it. Yeah, that, that was a really good one. And again, that's called the seven levers of success in selling real estate, right? And they can go get that in the next, well, probably when this podcast launches and drops uh, on DerekTai.com and that's T-Y-E.com, right? Yeah, yeah, DerekTai.com, yeah. Perfect, okay, great. Okay, real, real estate rock star listeners, this has been Adam Roach and Derek Ty, and he has brought you an immense amount of value. He is a real estate rock star. We are super proud and super blessed to have him on this show. And Derek, uh, if we invite you back, will you come back? I would love to. Excellent. Okay, guys, go check him out. Derek Ty, T-Y-E dot com. See you later. Thank you. Rockstar Nation, thank you for listening to Real Estate Rockstars. Listen, I need a favor. If you find this free content helpful, if you find our downloadable items from each guest helpful, please, I need you to pull out your pointing finger, yes, the one finger that points at people, and hit subscribe. Yes, subscribe. The more subscribers we get, 
the better we look in the ratings and the easier it is to get guests like Robert Kiyosaki, Barbara Corcoran, all the players that are on the million dollar listing in the different cities. All that stuff makes it easier the more subscribers we get. So please subscribe and listen. There's a lot of places you can leave comments. There's a lot of places you can like. We're on Facebook. We have an Instagram page. Instagram page is I am Pat Hyben. The Facebook is Real Estate Rockstars Radio. Feel free to leave us comments there. The most popular form of commenting seems to happen on YouTube. Yes, for whatever reason, it's a very open environment. So just go to YouTube and go to Real Estate Rockstars Radio and leave us comments there. Some of them we will read on the show. And we love your feedback. So thanks, guys, and I hope you are having a great day. Oh, and also, listen, if you're going to subscribe and you haven't already left us a, a review on iTunes, please do that, too. Have a great day, and thanks so much, Rockstar Nation. I really appreciate you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.